On R2C2, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco guide listeners through everything going on in the MLB, NBA, and NFL. They also talk to friends, athletes, and celebrities about the world of sports and much more. Check out R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf podcast unlike any other we are back and it is beautiful my friends this is fairway roll Rollin'. the golf podcast on the ringer podcast network i am your starter joe house joined as always by our pga tour correspondent on the ground Nathan Hubbard. It's just a two ball this week, my friends. We're strolling over, throwing a peg in the ground, a couple right down the middle. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you will always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Nate Dog, How you doing, buddy? House, everything's moving too fast. Everything. We, we really are at warp speed on the PGA Tour. Now, I want to thank you for taking a break from your extraordinarily busy ringer dish schedule because <laughs> I'm interested in the Venn diagram. There have to be some folks who are fans of this golf podcast, fans of Taylor Swift, and fans of your upcoming show on Ringer Dish about uh, deep dive on Olivia Rodrigo. Did I say her name right? You did. Yeah. So what do you think that Venn diagram looks like? It's two people who just continuously tweet at me. That's it. <laughs> what do they say? What are their tweets? <laughs> they just have lots of thoughts on on how various Taylor Swift songs are, are the, you know, equate to golfers. Like, uh, Shake It Off is really the Jordan Spieth anthem. I like this. I like where we're going with this. We're going to talk about Jordan Spieth and his need to shake something off because that, that was not good yesterday. Well, let's do this. I mean, what what's the one? Um, bad Love? Bad Love? What's that call, song called? Because <laughs> we got... That's every song. Bad Love, isn't that? That's, bad Blood. Bad Blood. Come on now. I mean, I didn't even tee this show up like this, but are we going to talk about Brooks and Bryson? I think we we have to. I think we have to. I mean, look, the first thing that we have to say about this Brooks versus Bryson thing is it's hilarious. Yes. The second thing that we have to say is that it's real. Yes. But the third thing that we have to say is, are we really just going to pretend that Bryson the week before that didn't say he had an actual encounter with aliens outside of his house. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. That's the distinction to draw here, right? Because part of the commentary that I've seen since the whole spat of last week between Brooks and Bryce, and everybody knows the history, we're not going to run through it, is has there is it taking on a little bit of an edge where the guys are, where it's performative, right? Yeah. Because of this, uh, um, impact program. In terms yes. of the, the, this. And, and like maybe, although you made the right point, it is real. It's authentic. It happened. It was not a forced encounter between the two of them. It was a perfectly legit coincidence that, uh, Brooks happened to be taping his, his TV hit. As yeah. Brooks wrote, uh, as Bryson walked by. So like as authentic as authentic gets, the golf world needs this. It loves it. And not just the golf world. This thing went viral global and yeah. all sports and, and, and even just fans of, of uh, regular old pop culture media. I mean, the people magazine had stuff online about this because it's not that often that you see too big, stars in any kind of uh, vertical openly talking shit at each other. Real it's kind beef. Of, it's great, right? Real beef. It, here's the thing. Is this working for Brooks? I mean, does his stuff, the nerds in the locker routine work? Because it seems like every time that that attitude comes out in public, and to be clear, I love it. I loved the eye roll. I loved him using every swear word in the entire book of swear words 
on TV and not really giving a shit about it. But every time this starts to go public, you know, before the last PGA, uh, it seems to work against him. Like when he just comes out and kicks everyone's ass and then says, I'm too cool for you guys and takes his trophy back to Florida and goes kneeboarding or whatever, that seems to work a lot better than when he talks shit the night before. He was talking shit here. Yeah, but here's, I think there's a distinction to be drawn between the um, way that he tried, it seemed, with the PGA Championship in August of 2020 out in San Francisco, where on that Saturday evening, he took a look at the leaderboard and is like, I only recognize one name on here of a guy that's won a major. That's like a psychological kind of, of ploy by him that I I honestly believe was as much to fire him his own self up yeah. as it was to to disparage the rest of the field. Um, we know thing, he was hurting then too. Yeah, yeah, and and I honestly think that it was a, a motivational tactic for himself, like part of let me like bite down hard on exactly how I'm thinking, and and you know the way that that you see in other um, sports athletes, you know, biting down hard on particular sort of aspects of their competitive fire, what they see in the, uh, of the competition in front of them to go ahead and try and, and assert a psychological advantage. I think that's what was last year's issue. This thing, I don't think has anything to do with him trying to get an advantage over. He just doesn't like him the field or, or uh, yeah. And it, it occurred, you know, like on a, on a Friday, it wasn't even part of like, it wasn't, Saturday going into Sunday where he needed to to say anything about uh, Bryson. It just was a coincidence that happened to be captured on camera that was mother effing beautiful. And it was, I think, fortuitous uh, and also not planned in any way, shape or form to have the leak of that video coincide with the announcement of the latest iteration of the match which will be in July. It's uh, Phil and Tom Brady going up against Bryson and and Bro- uh, uh, um, Aaron Rodgers out in uh, Montana. So like we're, we're five weeks out from this and immediately they like, they, they make the announcement. It's inside of the same 24 hours of this video being leaked and bam, Brooks is on social media at Aaron Rodgers. Like, <laughs> sorry, bro. Sorry, I mean, bro. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's great. It's great. Did you see the 30-minute video that Bryson posted uh, sort of tracking him at the at the at the Byron Nelson, I definitely watched it, and there were many things that caught my eye, and some of which we cannot discuss on this podcast. That's but, true. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I would have chosen different things to emphasize. Yeah, <laughs> but like it's not my life, and it's not my video. So it's like the sway house, like a TikTok sway house for like golf nerds or something. Look. You understand where Brooks is coming from. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying I would have rolled my eyes and motherfucked him on live TV. Right. But I, but I understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, it is curious, and I'm glad that you mentioned this video. So, so for folks uh, who may not have seen this, uh, Bryson is an avid person on the Instagrams, on the YouTubes, and all, all the social medias. And his team, somebody in his team, taped a whole bunch of footage of him 
in the week of uh, what's the tournament in Dallas Byron called Nelson. now? The Byron yeah. Nelson. Oh, it's what, what they, it's always been called. I, I was trying to think of the sponsor, but it, it's it's stupid. It was the week of the Byron Nelson, so basically in his backyard, and so we got to see him living at home during a week of competitive golf. We got to see him going complaining about routines. the weather. He's like the Wicked Witch of the West or whichever one of them like melts in water. Well, the among the many, many curious editorial decisions in informing this YouTube, it begins with, it opens with him going to a property that I can't tell whether it is a practice. He goes and, and looks at the practice room at this, but is, yeah, this is a that going to be that a house building? or I, is right. it going to be like a separate just practice place? Yes. It, we don't know the answer because he they didn't provide us any kind of guidance around what the purpose of this facility was, but he went there in the pouring rain and it was a waste of time for him to be driving in the rain and going to this thing, but they made the editorial decision to leave the YouTube with that. So good on you. Go for it, boys. And speaking of go for it, boys, that is the element of this, that, um, that particular video. And we'll get out of this rabbit hole in 10 seconds. I promise his crew is he that young? Is Bryson that young? Why does my mind's eye look at his crew and I say, why is he hanging out with all these youngsters? I, I think it's a good question to ask. He is still, you know, a is he late a young 20s. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I, he's a little bit of a little boy, isn't he? <laughs> that This is what I'm getting at, right? I can't. <laughs> The, I don't all totally the gym, get it. He's the 27. Gym bro stuff. I know. Is, but isn't, isn't that yeah. when you start becoming a tiny bit more self-aware? I don't know. I think maybe he's been sort of golf golden boy his his whole life. And I, it, whatever team has been around him has kept him insulated. He's kind of a boy in a bubble, but he's seeing aliens. He's fighting with Brooks. And the really big major concern that I have about all this is what we spoke about about way back in September, I'm going to say, which is, I'm worried about the Ryder Cup because <laughs> Jordan Spieth is going to be on the team and he and Patrick do not get along well. And now we got Brooks and Bryson just ripped out in the open. We got Brooks and DJ ripped out in the open. This is going to be the worst chemistry team in the history of the Ryder Cup, possibly. Meanwhile, on the on the European side, they're making fun videos and they're hanging out. They're just sitting back laughing. So he, here's my advice. Just enjoy it. Like, who cares? Okay. It's, a, it's a spectacle. It's an event. It's an exhibition. And we do get to see, uh, you know, 24, 25 of the very best golfers in the world competing all together all at once with the added uh uh you know upsurge swale of the 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 nationalism and hopefully by then fans will stop behaving badly but like it it's notorious for for over the line fan behavior no i'm terrified yeah. which is which is is great and part of what fuels the spectacle of the whole thing but like I want all the drama. Who cares? I don't right. care. We've won three of the last 10. Does it does it affect my life one bit? No. Do I want I the just, United States to win? Yes. Do I, I just give do not see Captain Steve Stricker getting in between <laughs> a Brooks Bryson like shirt off wrestling match over a Twinkie that's left over. Cheese curd Steve is going to be out there doing his very... Look, I love him, by the way. Stricker in, in the lead at Southern Hills. Southern Hills looked magnificent. I can't wait for the 2022 
um, PGA Championship, by the way. Um, another very, very, very quick. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched almost none of that, but the course renovation, the stuff that they've done, they eliminated in many, many places tee boxes. So they, they stick tees. They, they mowed from the fairway all the way up through the teeing ground. And it looks so goddamn good. It's so cool looking. Anyway, that's for us to look forward to and savor in 2022. Cheese curd Steve, he's gonna, he, he'll be fine. And the, the boys are going to do whatever they're going to do. He'll just well, sit on top and it'll be fine. And, and if he's not, there is one other piece of news we should discuss very briefly before we get into what happened last week and what's happening this week, which is that we got a little insight into one Eldrick Tiger Woods and his recovery. Yes. You, 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 let's, let's quickly summarize. He gave a short interview. I can't remember to what uh, media venue, but uh, I know he talked to Golf Digest. Anyway, yes. uh, he briefly described how grueling the rehab is. Most painful thing he's ever felt in his life. Right. Well, that made sense to me. That makes sense to me. That's it scary. Did, he was stuck th- on his back it, outside it, of his house, unable to get up. Like it, it made me first curious about the physiology. Like our legs have that many nerve endings in them where it, it's because our legs affect so many other parts of our body, like an ankle, a calf problem. You feel it in your glutes. And then next thing you know, you have a bad back and you have a bad back because you have a calf problem. That's just the beauty of the human body, I guess. <laughs> but I'm trying to wonder, like, that's a guy who's been through grueling rehab a lot, many times in his life and a ton of, of back ones. And I would always think that the back ones have to be the biggest challenge, the most painful. Cause I know how it feels to have a bad back and how limiting it can be. I know, be. but the bones in his back didn't poke through the skin in two places. I mean, this was a disintegration of his right leg below the knee. So what do you think it like in particular is the, I mean, the, the two, two things I'm curious about, I'm interested in are prospects for, for full recovery. And he's focused on being able to walk with a normal gait, which is exactly what you would want to hear what you would anticipate. Um, but then, you know, it, it, is that a, an achievable goal one? And then is there another achievable goal two potentially out there as it relates to golf? I don't know. What what yeah. the hell do we know? I, I, I know. all I I just like let's zoom out to 30,000 feet. This looked like a move from Tiger to tell everybody, "Hey, let me lower the bar of expectations here. Like I'm just trying to walk." Yeah. I can't walk. Right. So, please stop questioning. Don't don't burn too many cycles on fairway roll and asking if I'm going to win a golf tournament again. Think about me walking. And that's reasonable and and very good expectation management by Tiger and his team. Exactly what I would expect. And we continue to root as hard as we can root for him getting a return to normalcy. You and I have like firsthand experience in a way with Alex Smith, the former quarterback of the Washington football team who suffered, you know, an injury that at least is in the same kind of class as as what Tiger seems to have suffered. We've never gotten the real gory detail of exactly what happened to Tiger, only the, you know, what we've been able to fill in the blanks on. But, you know, we know what Alex Smith uh, went through, and then we saw him on a football field for several football games this most recent Yeah, well, NFL you and I season. just texted each other in absolute terror while that was happening. Right, right. And quite honestly, thank God he's retired. You and I have the exact same feeling on that one as it relates to Alex Smith. 
but seeing him on the football field uh, does give me modest hope for. I don't care about Tiger playing competitive golf again. I just want to see him out with his boy. Honest to God. You know what I, I mean? I'm with you on that. And I think we can hope for one thing better. I think we can hope for Tiger on a golf cart with an earpiece. Yeah. Doing the alpha shit that Steve Stricker won't necessarily be born to do in that locker room if things get a little tubby between Brooks and Bryson or Brooks and anybody else or Jordan and Patrick or whatever. Tiger may be the unifying force in that locker room if he can show up and bring that sort of alpha dog energy. Well, you know, another source of that alpha dog energy, and it's hard to believe it was only 10 days ago, Papa Bear Phil Mickelson is absolutely, positively, 10,000% going to be in that locker room. As the, as the, since this is a PGA of America event, the Ryder Cup, and since he's the reigning champion of the PGA championship, I'm pretty sure Mr. Phil will be in there. And that's another potentially stabilizing adult force that could have the effect of producing comedy among all of these disparate uh, pulling forces. In, yeah, in, in, I mean, listen, the last time there was there were issues, he was he was sort of uh, creating a stir over Tom Watson's <laughs> captaincy. So I'm not Indeed. sure Phil has a history of unifying necessarily, but he does have a history of not being afraid to speak out and to solve the problem. So let's see. Yeah, that's right. Well, it, it it's hard to believe it was only 10 days ago because we really have, it It feels like to me, been in warp speed. So basically, Phil wins. We're in the afterglow of that once-in-a-lifetime historical achievement. And then we get the cycle of Brooks and Bryson, which goes for about 48 hours or so. And then we get the announcement of the match, which has its own particular flavor and flair. It has Tom Brady doing a bunch of these yeah. brilliant meme tweets that get millions of, of likes or whatever on, on his game already. Tom Brady, kudos to, to TB12. Take a suck at that, Chuck. Yeah. And then we had to get ready for the Colonial. Uh, the Charles Schwab, you know, whatever the corporate name is. Um, but we were at the Colonial in Texas and Texas native son, Jordan Spieth, who plays. I mean, he says this is his favorite place, his most comfortable place. His scoring there is incredible. And he shoots three rounds in the mid 60s. And then Sunday comes <laughs> and. The, the 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 one of the stats there are many stats he's he is uh this season tied for 126th in fourth round scoring and again we're back to the Sunday scaries with Jordan Spieth now this to me had a different kind of quality to it and I will tell you I'm I'm at peace with how uh, yesterday ended up or, or uh the the tournament ended up on Sunday um but I I'm interested in your take well, he said it best. He just had no idea what was happening when he took the club back. And this is something we've seen him struggle with before. As great as he's played, it's still been rare to get four just pedal to the floor speed days. He was fourth in putting at this tournament. He was 16th off the tee, but he was only 31st in approach. I mean, he lost over two shots in round four on approach. He lost strokes putting. He just didn't have it. And... Listen, uh, I think it 
is unrealistic for us to think that a switch gets flipped and he's back and he's suddenly Tiger Woods again. First of all, he never was Tiger Woods. That no. was the beauty of Jordan Spieth is we get the roller coaster ride. It's just that the overall quality of Spieth's play right now is great. It made me a little nervous, though. He did sound pretty lost after that round. And, and it was it was an ugly start. Listen, it was reminiscent as he and Kokrak were taking, you know, dumps on the first couple of holes. They were, whatever, collectively five over through five or something. It, it was a little bit like the start of that last round at the PGA, wasn't it? Kind of a mediocre finishing day where we were focused on two guys. Each of them were making some critical mistakes, but there just wasn't anyone else around to come grab the reins. And so the spotlight stayed on them and, and there you had it. I don't fault Spieth for that last shot on 18 that went in the water. Uh, I, I think, I think he took, you know, he had a tough drive. He was in the rough. He had a small landing area and he just, he hit the wedge that he thought he had to hit and it goes in the water. I, I just think he's got to putt better in a final round. He's got to swing the club better in a final round. And Jordan has got to get to a place where instead of talking his ass off to Michael, his caddy, he's got something fundamental and technical that he can come back to, to just find a green. That's the thing that I'm most interested in, in, and curious of uh, about, and, and want to go into just just a bit more because he he did, as you uh, observed, confess that like from the very first swing of the day he was out of sorts, and when that happens to a player of his caliber, how do you pull it together? Now he did. Oh, he had three birdies and three bogeys in the first five holes, but then he did birdie, I think six and nine. So he, he did pull it yeah. back a little bit. And, you know, the outcome of the tournament was still very much, you know, in, in, in doubt. And he had an opportunity to, to grab the thing. He just couldn't put two great shots together at once. He couldn't get a putt. He couldn't get a chip in when he needed it. And, you know, uh, kudos. Now it was, uh, from an objective standpoint, it was terrible golf. Like the, it, it was, <laughs> it, it was, was terrible golf. And, and it's not the PGA championship at Kiowa. So no. I'm not, I'm not willing to give the guys the benefit of the doubt. I mean, no. I want my play better for, for Christ's sakes, guys. Jordan had the worst round of anybody in the top 20. Kokrak was even. I mean, Charlie Hoffman, of all people, gets a T3 just because he shot five under. And listen, he's playing really good golf, so that's not yeah. taking anything away from yeah. Charlie Hoffman. Yeah. But yeah. This, is the, this is the downside of being a feel player, an all-feel player. It's the risk that you run, which is there are a bunch of guys who are more sort of golf robots who, in, in their worst hour, can at least fall back on some basic, things that they can hold on to. You know, I know that I can hit a little three quarters cut driver that's going to find the fairway. Feel All field players do not have that fairway finder in the bag, right? They either have it and they're on and they're just striping the ball, which Jordan Spieth has been the best player on approach since basically February in, in all of professional golf. So he's he's had it. But the problem is when they lose it, they don't have that, okay, I understand the plane of my swing so well that I can just fall into the slot and I'll just find greens. And that means that I'm going to have a bunch of 25 to 30 footers for birdie. But if I rattle two of those in and I get lucky on a couple approach shots, I get two more birdies and I limit my bogeys, I'm going to shoot somewhere between two and four under today. 
This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health Services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. So I'm interested because we are now two and a half weeks out from the U.S. Open getting started at, at Torrey Pines. It Torrey doesn't feel like a place um, to me that Jordan can have success. So like the next, the next opportunity, I feel like looking for him on, on the, the big stage where he goes and, and reminds us of what he's capable of is, is the British. Um, but I, maybe it's right to, to, um, be cautious about, you know, crossing him off any list. I just, is there any scenario under which you think he can be successful at Tory? I mean, I think he can be successful at Tory if he hits his, if he hits his irons great and puts the way that he's been putting. But I, I think what we saw on Sunday, that's why this week's going to be really interesting for us because uh, it's a golf course that for a lot of guys is actually going to play like they haven't seen it very much because it's been totally redone by Jack. But yeah, Jordan's got to show us that he can rebound quickly. This, this was the first bit of real Achilles heel that we've seen since he's been on this run. Yeah, th- this and Phoenix, because Phoenix was kind of like a revelation, like, oh, Jordan's back on the scene. This right. is Jordan out kicking ass. Jordan Spieth can win golf tournaments again. And then he had a lackluster finish in Phoenix and, and Brooks went and grabbed it on Sunday. And now it, kind of a repeat of that. But we've seen so much good golf out of Jordan between Phoenix and February. And now that I honestly was a little bit surprised to not see him I thought it might be a little bit of, you know, he wins by four strokes. I, I When I went to bed Saturday, I thought there was a good chance of that. It felt like Rory at Quail Hollow where there just weren't a whole lot of great contenders chasing him down and he should grab it. And we would say, not unlike San Antonio where he won, hey, I'm super happy for him. Uh, and let's see him go do this, you know, at a memorial or a riv or a major where the field is really is really strong. Now that's not to take anything away from Kokrak because Kokrak, Kokrak won a real big boy tournament at Shadow Creek where there were a lot of great golfers playing. And, and there's no doubt that this guy's tee game is big time. 
And and when you're first off the tee and second tee to green and seventh in putting, you're going to freaking win, even if you, like Kokrak lost shots on approach in round four, but but he just hit his drive so well on that course, which I think maybe, you know, it gets a little bit of the wrong reputation. We think of it as, oh, this is a this is a course where guys who don't hit it far can win. But this is really a course where you have to hit the fairway to set up your second shot. Unlike, you know, this week, it's going to be about the second shot coming into the greens. Last week, it really was, can you drive it straight? And if you can't do that, you got no shot. And it has historically, Colonial, we're still talking about here, um, not been a place where you would say the long guys have the advantage in Kokrak's reputation preceding the season that we're in right now. Big, long hitter. Now, he's putting his ass off. I think he's in the top 10 on tour uh, across the board for this season, um, putting-wise. He might even be top five. He's really... And and he becomes an interesting guy uh, depending on what kind of success over the balance of the season he has as a potential Ryder Cup kind of guy. Because that, that kind of play that he has where that accuracy off the tee combined with you know, a, a very solid putting game. And, and, you know, if nobody going into this 2020, 2021 wraparound season had Stuart Sink and Jason Kokrak as the multiple, uh, winner on tour guys. Uh, yeah. And the guy, the guy's born in 1985. I mean, the dude is, you know, well, well into his thirties, it's that sort of continuation of what we're seeing, which is guys are A, extending their career. And in some of these situations, some of the young guys are choking up a bit. I mean, you're right. Kokrak's sixth in putting on tour right now, at least shots gained. But this is a guy who has continued to work. He's found a way to hang around on tour. And now he's starting to, it's starting to pay off. I mean, I'd be stunned to see him in the Ryder Cup, lo- Cup locker room just because we got so much yeah. clustered around the top. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, if he wins a third tournament, what are you going to do? Or even a top two, top three, he he could score his way into the into the group. I mean, you know, he's playing good enough golf. Yeah, he's going to be, you know, at East Lake for sure. And and like you said, I mean, he, he's now showing, you know, the more the more you start to get that confidence that you can win, the easier it becomes to win. These things build on themselves. So speaking of building on itself, we have a wonderful tournament right now, which is like the tune-up, the true last tune-up before the U.S. Open. And a lot of guys um, are not playing at the Memorial, Jack's backyard uh, this week. Sad to not see DJ because it seems like DJ probably we're not going to see him until Tory. And he's kind of been inscrutable. I'd like to get a feel for where DJ's at before, you know, I, I think about doing anything with him at the U.S. Open at a Tory. Uh, Justin Rose, who plays great at the Memorial, is not playing this week, and he, he tied for 20th at Colonial. I was on him a little bit um, with a little bit of cash and a little bit of uh, DFS action, a little yep. fan duel action on Justin Rose. Kokrak, as Dottie pointed out, an Ohio guy not playing. Right, right. So, but we do have seven of the top 10 and 11 yep. of the top 15 in the world. So, and it's a, it's a 120 person, 121 player field. So limited field, great field produces historically some, um, it's been kind of a springboard tournament. It's, it's put some guys kind of on the map and helped some guys resume build uh, some younger players resume build and put us on notice that they're capable of greater things. 
Bryson DeChambeau won the Memorial in 2018. Hideki uh, with the, with a signature win at, at the Memorial, and uh, Patrick Cantlay, which is an interesting name um, as we sort of formulate here on what we might anticipate this week at the Memorial. Another guy with a W here, and and for Cantlay, it's his biggest win. Yep. So. Um, I have seen some names, but before we get to names, I want to get some some of your thoughts on how you anticipate this place playing. Um, we have some some great, as always, feedback. Justin Ray is way back on the scene. Our boy, he's got Jack. Jack's in the Jack. Jack must be sleeping well because Jack Ray. We're talking about Justin Ray's newborn son, two two and a half weeks old. Because Jr. is all over the place with his stats. He's on the Action Network podcast. He's 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 putting it out. But some of the research uh, last year, the Memorial had the toughest scrambling percentage of any venue on tour, and yeah. it was the fifth toughest to hit greens in regulation. So you put those two things together. It's really hard to, to 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 scramble here, and it's hard to hit the greens in regulation. And on top of that, Jack, there was a bulldozer following the leaders last year as yeah. they were finishing the rest. John Rahm was finishing up winning that event. There's a bulldozer basically like three holes behind, tearing up the whole golf course, right? I think that there's was a reason why he was uh, making these changes, and it is perhaps in the scrambling stat that you pointed out. This course had some challenges and it was bordering on unfair in some places and not really rewarding great shots. And so uh, Jack's gone around and he softened up a lot of the slopes on the green. So they're not quite as crazy. He, he moved some tees and bunkers around. He's narrowed a few fairways to, to take away that advantage for the Bombers. But, you know, he's leveled some fairways so you can actually see the hole on your second shot. 15 is, is an example of that. 16, you know, th- that green they've talked about a lot. They added a, a really important backstop so you can actually hold the green now. But, but it's mostly that now you can land the ball on slightly leveler surfaces so they actually hold. This course is going to play differently. The rough is still thick with like six C's, um, but the 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 course is going to play differently. And a lot of the guys who are used to going around this course are going to have to just do the men in black, you know, blank out your mind, refresh, start from zero. Otherwise, they're going to get stuck reading greens, reading shots in ways that the course just doesn't play anymore. Well, I, I'm interested in seeing the sand is still there and the sand yep. is still prominent. There are at least 70, I think I saw 76 bunkers. and Yeah, and he's moved a lot of them to make some of them more relevant, right? Right. Yeah. So you're, you're going to, you need another, like, you know, uh, sand save percentage is another, you know, metric to take a look at as you try and build a dance card. So talking about names, the golf commentariat, all of the uh, experts out there, Lot of buzz for Victor Hovland because he fits a bunch of the stuff that we've come accustomed to seeing at uh, the Memorial, which is young player springboard event. He, uh, his ball striking is... But he's a shitty scrambler. Well, and, and here's the thing, right? He, we saw him challenge to win the workday last year, played yep. at Muirfield Village, and then they changed the golf course and they played it, they played... Everybody will recall two consecutive weeks last season, last summer, 
at Muirfield Village, a, a, a workday event, then golf course refurbishment in between. Yeah. And then they, they competed the memorial and he was tied for 48th in the memorial. Now there's a yeah. million reasons why he could, you know, he went from a top five finish in the workday to a tied for 48th in the memorial. Um, there's no reason like I would bet not one eye, not even an eyelash. If Victor Hovland won this week, it, it he, he, he certainly checks a whole bunch of the boxes, except for what you just mentioned, which is scrambling. And the one thing our mind's eye sees when we see Victor Hovland is sometimes he is an awful uh, chipper of the golf ball. Dumpy wedges. Yeah, yeah dumpy wedges. Um, but I'm interested in 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 some names that, that you might have in your sights. I mean, first of all, we just got to address the elephant in the room. Bryson, Bryson DeChambeau is the second favorite here. But this is where he lost his mind and went tin cup last year, right? Yeah. With the three wood out of the rough, he had a quintuple bogey on a par five. He misses the cut. He's got a tendency to blame the course a lot, including, by the way, that's what it seems like he was mumbling in the background as Brooks lost his shit during the interview. And, and there have definitely been some changes, but the rough is still thick. So I, I, I'm not sure I'm feeling Bryson this week, especially because Wednesday and Thursday... There's going to be some rain. And we know Bryson hates the rain from that <laughs> ridiculous YouTube video where he took his shirt off too many times. So uh, I'm not feeling Bryson so much. We'll come back on the favorite. For me, there's a couple of guys that I, that I would look at this week. Look, Matthew Fitzpatrick shot four under on Sunday last year. Rom won and shot plus three. Fitzpatrick finished solo third. He's still sort of looking for that elusive breakout win. And so if we're if we're thinking about young guys padding the resume, Fitzpatrick looks good to me this week. I also would say there's two guys more towards the bottom of your DFS card that you should pay attention to. One, Doug Gim. I love Doug Gim for a top 20 this week. He was T14 last week, 14th on approach. And we know that that shots gained approach is an important metric this week. He was 20th around the greens last week. So D Doug Gim, he's sitting right about 70th, 71st in FedEx right now. But, uh, you know, thinking about how he gets himself past the... Uh, the Northern Trust and into the into the BMW once the playoffs come. So I like Doug Kim. And then secondly, Kyle Stanley led the field in shots gained approach last week. He lost over three quarters of a stroke putting, but I love the way that he's striking the ball. And he's that kind of guy who could make his way into the top 25 and could be the last guy you pull on your fantasy card. Yeah, I like that. I like you um, laying out some of these second tier names because uh, I see Doug Kim's name showing up on a particular statistical category. Again, kudos to our homie, Justin Ray. There are, here, here's the list of guys that are top 30 in both strokes gained approach and scrambling percentage over, you know, the recent history. Here's the list. Charlie Hoffman, mm. Russell Henley, Patrick Cantlay, Doug Gim. So mm. your Doug Gim call, you're, you're, you're backed up by a statistical profile that I feel like, you know, if Justin Ray thinks this is the profile that work, that's going to work here, I happen to agree with him. That puts me on Charlie Hoffman. I already want to be on Charlie Hoffman. I always want to be on Charlie Hoffman. I'm on Charlie Hoffman this week. That's I don't really need to see anything else. His five under finish at uh, the Colonial this most recent week, that's just icing on the cake as far as I'm concerned. I never have any issue rooting for, for Charlie Hoffman. So he is on my card for sure. I do want to address the curious case of, of Patrick Cantlay, <laughs> who 
uh, is also on this list of top 30 in strokes gaining approach and scrambling percentage. He has the highest percentage of rounds in the 60s at this venue over the last handful of years. The best birdie average at this venue in the past 10 years. The best cumulative score to par over the past five years. And yet, Patrick Cantlay has missed the cut in four of his last six and doesn't have a top 10 since February. Yeah. So He was insane in Austin at the match play event for a little while. How about this? We saw a ton of him on Sunday at the PGA Championship. He was yeah. legitimately pushing his way up, and then he fell all the way off over the yeah. last four holes. Yeah. And, you know, I there is a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing going on with him and and it doesn't seem like it's the talent that's the problem. So it's a it's a caveat emptor with Patrick Cantley this week I say. It is a wild time for golf, isn't it? It's so hard to put your finger on who the best player is right now. There's just nobody who's who's there's a bunch of really great players, but we're not going to know shit about DJ like you said and I, I don't know. This is a big week for us to see what Patrick Cantley can do cuz he ought to be you know, in California, we know how well he plays in California. He ought to be among the favorites at the U.S. Open if his game is in form. So we're, we're going to learn a lot from him. I, I, I think a guy you say up and down, Jekyll and Hyde, a guy who's been pretty consistent of late is Corey Connors. And I think because of that, we tend to overrate him a little bit. But he was T22 here last year. He Last week, he was T20. Um, but he lost half a stroke putting. So everything else was good. Ninth in approach, 19th off the tee. But again, his putting, he was 59th in putting. If he can spend this week getting a little bit more comfortable with that putter, you could see Corey Connors very easily get into the top 15. But as we talk about who's going to win this tournament house, I, I just, uh, I mean, it's got to be JT. And here's oh, why. Oh, okay. All Interesting. Right. Two things are going for JT. The first is, I, I got to believe he's going to try to avenge his defeat last year to Colin Morikawa. I know that was at the workday, but it's on the same course. And we're always going to remember that scream when he hit the 60-footer. There are no fans around except his dad. And he just howled, followed by Morikawa dropping in the putt on top of him. So th th that was a moment, to be sure. But he is riding the great karma of riding significant check to the mini tour player, Mike Visaki, who qualified for his first tournament a couple weeks ago. It was a viral video where he was crying, talking, you know, telling his father that he'd finally made it. JT took him out for a practice round this week and is helping to subsidize his golf career going forward. You know, now whether that's image repair, who knows? I'm just saying he's riding the good karma train. The golf gods have to be smiling on him. He's got a little chip on his shoulder to try to win after having this seemingly in his grasp last year at the course. I I'm all in on JT this week. I love where you're going with JT and the particular impact of the karma train because I can't recall where I saw it research-wise. He has not been playing great golf for about six or seven different um, consecutive weeks here. All of the tournaments he's yeah. uh, competed in, the finishes are, are you know, mediocre by his standards. And yeah. there is um, a metric. Uh, I can't remember who, who did it, but where if you compare, you know, when he goes on like a little bit of a lull, he tends to break himself, snap himself out of it and then go on a complete heater. Mm -hmm. And and we could be on the brink of of putting that lull period in the rearview mirror and the, the heater, heater coming yeah. up right and staring us in the face. Now, 
I have already played JT, and I want to talk about my one and done for the Pat, Pat Mayo League uh, coming up here because there are a couple other names. Now, I wished that I still had Tony Finau. I love Tony Finau this week. I also love him at, at Tory. Um, he, uh, his, um, uh, strokes gain T to green has been so good. And he plays great at Muirfield village. His last six trips, he has two top eights. Uh, uh, I mean, two tied for eight, a tied for 11 and a tied for 13. And we saw him a little bit last year. I remember seeing him on Sunday, maybe making a move and then kind of falling off. So he's a hundred percent a horse for a course. And I like him, you know, I'll put him in, in all lineups, in all my lineups, Charlie Hoffman and Tony Finau are, are going to be in. Um, but the two guys, I love your Corey Connors call. He's going in my lineups as well. I've been playing Corey Connors every week that he's in. I had him in my PGA championship, uh, um, fairway rolling dough thing where I finished in the top, I don't know, top third, maybe top quarter, not mm. terrible. I wish I had, mm. you know, but in any event, uh, I'm on Connors, my choice for this week in terms of one and done who I have available, Corey Connors or Hideki Matsuyama. Ooh. Speaking of guys who, you know, another guy on the list who could go out and grab the mantle is like the best guy in the world at the moment kind of thing, right? If Hideki wins the Masters and the Memorial, and we know what, what the pedigree at the Memorial. I don't hate it. I mean, I think I think if those are your choices, you got to go with Hideki. Okay. All right. I'm 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 willing to do it. I, I just I want to back you up on your Finau one though. I mean, I just like people have been saying how shitty he's been playing because he missed like three cuts since including the players. But like in his last five tournaments, he's finished tenth, seventeenth, eighth, and twentieth with one missed cut in between those four. So like, and that was at Wells Fargo. Like Tony is, Tony's gonna backdoor his way b- into something more than the top ten pretty soon. He he loves these greens. Uh, he, he, the reason he didn't play better last week was because he didn't putt worth it worth a gush a good goddamn. Yeah, these bent grass Poe uh, combos. He was uh, sixth in strokes game putting at this venue last summer. He he loves this combo. Uh, I'm I mean you know we're prepared for him doing what he does, which is top five or top ten, and I'll be perfectly satisfied. Like I said, if I if he was available. On one and done for me, I'd play him I, without hesitation or reservation. I'm going to play Hideki because um, I I like a, a story and I like rooting for him and I'm and I'm happy with it. A couple of other names um, for this week as you're trying to build out the card. So Sebastian Munoz, we just watched him put his ass off. He, he he hit the ball in the fairway and then putted his ass off. Sebastian Munoz deserves uh, to be on a card and looks like you know I I. Why are you laughing? What are you because about to I give said us? bad things about this guy um, because we were seeing too much of him at the PGA Championship, and I never thought for a second he could win. And then I had somebody tell me, "Slow your roll, buddy. Uh, just just be more generous." Kevin Streelman was all over the TV screen at the PGA Championship, and then followed that up with, and I kind of validated it with a night he was tied for eighth at Kiowa, and then he validated that with a tie twenty at the Colonial, and he just he's a methodical like plots his way around the golf course, hits the ball somewhere safe and then gets the ball to the green. Um, so I don't hate Kevin Streelman this week either. Yeah. I love, I love Kevin Streelman. I mean, I, a- I was calling him the mortician because he, you know, the, the, 
the gray hair poking out and you know the the there was something weird about the way he looked at at, at Q and and I and I'm sorry for uh, disparaging <laughs> your the look you, you you can't control how you look I mean I the sunglasses on the back yeah, of the head it just you don't I love. was it just looked right. like I was like go back to the embalming I, I, uh, room and and get off my screen I, I, chemistry I I, I I didn't mind the grinding. I just didn't mind the grinding. I, yeah. I just... It's what I just, you expect out of a, that venue. I, I just want to say the only thing we should be worried about with your Hideki call is that he was T39 at Byron Nelson and T23 at the PGA without, you know, a whole lot. I mean, there was a moment after Friday where we felt like maybe he was going to be in the mix after shooting yeah. 68, but he came yep. out and shot 76, 72 on the weekend. So I, I don't... But I think if those are your choices, you got to roll with Hideki because of the the storied history at the place. That's all. And I'm, you know, I'm a sucker for narrative. Speaking of sucker for narrative, got to give a very quick shout out to my very my new very best friend Tom Summers at the Oakmont Country Club. Um, oh got lord, to, got to get out there last week. Uh, speaking of grinding, it what an extraordinary place, Nate Dog. We're going to go back because Tom uh, wants both of us I to wanted be there. To come so I, badly. I gave you a last minute invite. It really wasn't... You uh, did. I didn't give you enough time to really hook it up, but man, what a place. All, not even close. My favorite golf course I've ever played in my whole life. And I have some great venues on, on my list. I've been really lucky over the, like, the last 15, 20 years to play some incredible venues including Cypress, including Pine Valley. And my favorite by far, not even close, is Oakmont. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not even close. I mean, it is the scale of it, the history of it. What did you do well? Third shot recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because okay. you hit it into trouble, and then you have to advance the ball to get yourself out of trouble and then give yourself a chance at par by hitting, um, you know, quality third shots. And I had a decent day ball striking wise with that. I also played the par threes um, pretty good. And the sand was all of a, uh, as you would expect, perfectly uniform consistency. So as soon as I hit one good sand shot, then I felt comfortable hitting out of the sand for all the rest. And I will tell you, I was probably in the sand 14 times. I mean, I, I, there was, there's definitely some church pew pictures and, you know, all the rest of it. But. Shots gained sand number yeah. was strong. Yeah. I mean, you know, I saved bogey. So it's like, that's a W that's a, I mean, a, a, I think I, I mean, I shot under 90. So good for you. Right. At that Oakmont from, you know, reasonable tees. But we're going to get back out there. I just had to give a quick shout out to Tom because, by the way, Tom uh, Summers, a 0 0.6 index at Oakmont. So imagine what kind of golfer that young fella is. House, if we were to go to Mirfield Village, and there's a chance that I will be out there this weekend, what do you think is the over-under on the number of milkshakes that we would have? Really? How many milkshakes do you think that you would comfortably have if we went there? Seven. Because we would be there, I would be there long enough. I was, I'm having one every day. And if we're only there four days, that means three of those days I'm having two. So I'm having one for breakfast. As soon as we get on the grounds, I'm going, because I feel like that's the number you need to have to properly sample the entire array. To pro I mean, may maybe I'll, you know what? I'd set it at six and a half. And then if if I hit the under, I mean, I'm I, nailing the over on that for you. Well, 60. <laughs> Just I mean, hammering the, it. But it's like, 
am I really committed to having a milkshake for breakfast every day? I think the answer is yes. I but, do too. You know, but but it's if we had a tough that, night the night before, m- milk might not feel good. But no, that that would be exactly what I would want. That the cool, soothing, the sweetness, all that butter fat. Oh. I think that I mean I kind of want one now. Let's go get one right now. Take a picture for us. Take a picture and if you if you make it there and give us a little sampling of the array, Nate Dog. Okay, buddy. All right, there we go. My birdie buddies, my par saving pals, my eagle enthusiasts. Wow. Two and a half weeks out from the US Open. What an appetizer. Jack's backyard, the memorial this week. Best of luck to everybody with all of your DFS and gambling. Plays. Hopefully, we gave you something to, to think about. A couple names that will help you with the return on investment. We are back. Nate, we might have to do a, uh, an impromptu show. They're going and playing Congaree down in South Carolina, which is a Fazio design that made uh, an appearance immediately on all these top fifty, like top fifty golf courses in America. And it's a it's a one time event because the RBC Canadian was canceled due to the COVID stuff. So maybe we have an impromptu show the week in advance of the US Open coming at Tory Pines. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.